Awesome job. Awesome job, guys. Well done. Well done. One more hand for those guys. I want to now invite up uh, my brother in Christ, uh, dear friend for years and years, two and a half decades, my brother Glenn Badonski. Come on up. Give, bro give brother Glenn a hand today. This is my brother. This has been 25 years in the making. We're so excited that, uh, that he's with us today. And, and uh, we, it just came to us that God wanted to do something amazing in us and through us. And, uh, and so I couldn't be more excited to have him with us today. We're going to be sharing our, our together testimony. And some of you guys know part of the story, so we thought you may as well get the whole story. And, um, and, and we can just kind of talk about the changing power of Jesus Christ. And the first thing I want us to see today in our together story is this. And that is that you got to get together with Christ before you can get it together. Until you get together with Christ, we'll never get it together. And so, so uh, you know my story, many of you do, but there are also some folks who maybe don't know and they're here today. And we're believing that there's going to be some people who make decisions to follow Christ today and we're going to baptize them today, Brother Glenn. That's what we're going to do. I believe that God, we've been praying for that all week and we believe God's going to do something miraculous and it could be you. Um, but the f first thing we got to do is we got to get it together with Christ. And so we're very excited about this opportunity we have to be here um, my story is real simple. You know, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, my dad was uh, um, a good man uh, at times, but he was an alcoholic. Um, he, uh, for about two years, my mom and dad were saved and in the church, and, and uh, they, we even had church in our house sometimes. Uh, and he had a little Jesus is Lord patch, and, and, uh, but, but I come from a long line of alcoholics. Uh, we're Irish. We fight and we drink. That's what we did. And, uh, and, and we're still fighting, only now I fight the devil, you know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, but my, my life, you know, took a, a, a really bad turn, and I did follow in my, my dad's footsteps, and I, you know, started uh, drinking, drugging. I spent so many years of my life drinking and drugging, and uh, almost lost my life multiple times because of that. And, uh, but Jesus had a different plan. God had a different plan for me. Uh, my, my dad died in, 19, um, uh, in 1988. He died of, uh, of cancer of the chest and cirrhosis of the liver. So my dad died, um, and, and, and when my dad died, love died for me. Because even though I was a bad drug dealing, he still loved me. Even my own mom had told me, listen, I only have one son, and her, his name's Pat, and that's my brother's name. And so, because she was so disappointed in my life. But my dad, every night, man, here's this 18-year-old, 6-foot, 3, 280-pound, 300-pound uh, kid, drugging and drinking and drug dealing on the side, but kissing my dad on his forehead every night and saying, good night, Pop. And uh, because there was something, and then, then it found out that, you know, that... That day, uh, my buddy came and said, hey, your dad's, your dad's, he's, he's dead, man. And I was like, no, 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 bro. Um, he just only has a one and a half lung because they took out half his lung. You can't see him breathe. He said, no, man, I'm telling you, your dad's not breathing. So I got up 
uh, from my drunken stupor and went out there in the recliner. My dad had this recliner. It was all burned where he would fall asleep. And, you know, and I picked my dad up and I laid him. He was only about, at that point, my dad weighed 240 most of the time. But that time he maybe weighed 110, 120 pounds. I picked him up and I laid him down on the ground and I started to give him CPR. And he got a pulse. And then the ambulance came and they took him. He never regained consciousness, but he spent three days in the hospital. And as he was in that hospital, he was blowing up, and I was just devastated because the only person that in my life had really ever loved me like that had just died. And so I was in there, and I remember grabbing my dad's hand, and I had heard about God. You know, I preached from the Bible. You know, I saw the, the little pin, and I grabbed my dad's hand, and I just simply said this. I said, Dad, I said, uh, God, listen, I know it's too late for me. And I, I, I'm not going to change. I'm, I'm, I'm awful. I know I'm already marked for hell. It's cool. And I'm cool with that. But if you could save my dad, man, that would be awesome because I heard that you save. And I, and I said, Dad, if you can hear me, squeeze my hand. He never squeezed my hand. What I didn't know is he had already given his life to Christ because those three days leading up to his death, we had brought him back home from an efficiency apartment where I would find him. And he thought my mom was coming home. He thought we were going to be a family again. He had gotten his life right. And I found a, a letter later on in his Bible, uh, a repentance letter in his Bible. So his life was already right with God. And so I didn't know that until 2006, though. It wasn't until 2006. And Christians um, can sometimes be the most devastating people. And some people had told me, now, your dad, he died. if he was a drunk, he, he went to hell. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, how well-meaning Christians are. Um, but uh, God had a different plan, you know, and, um, and so I, I spent the next year, man, doing everything I could to, to end my life, drinking, 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 dr if you gave me pills, I took whatever it was, my, my older sister saved me multiple times, because I was taking whatever people would hold out, um, they, they called me anything to get stoned was my nickname, ATGS, anything to get stoned, and so just to numb the pain, and, um, and then in 1989, um, in a trailer in Dade City, Florida, watching Christian TV. Be careful what you say about Christian TV because it has the power to change somebody's life. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it may not be connecting with you right now, but uh, that night they were breaking ice and breaking uh, uh, handy, uh, 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 what are they, handcuffs and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, dude, that's cool, you know? stoned and drunk right and then all of a sudden the dude looked at the tv and he said if you want to be set free all you have to do is ask because he who the sun sets free is free indeed and right there man i just was done you know I knelt and i said god man i've wrecked this thing but if you want this life that guy said that you wanted my life and you would take trash if you want it then it's yours and uh, god changed my life man <laughs> 19, amen. 1989, man, was the last time I ever put a joint to my lips, uh, ever put any LSD in my mouth, last time I ever uh, did any coke, uh, drinking, all those things ended. Uh, but I made a mistake. I thought I could do it alone. I needed to be together. And so for two years, I watched Christian television and tried to do it myself and felt, found myself kind of moving back and forth until finally the Holy Spirit, I'm driving by this church every day, and I would hear the Holy Spirit say, you need to go to church. And I was like, first off, who's that? And second off, you don't know me. 
because I ain't ever been to church in my adult life, and there ain't no reason for me to walk into Calvary Assembly of God. And, uh, and so I told my mom like I told you, and, and of course she was amazed, and she went and bought me church clothes because she knew I needed Jesus. And you know my mom wasn't saved at the time, and so when your mom buys you clothes and she don't even know Jesus, but she knows you need Jesus, you know how that is. So I went, and here's why the parking team's so important. I drove through the parking lot, and I left, and I came back. And my mom said, I thought you were going to church. And I said, well, I was. I'm going to go tonight. And, uh, but the Lord just was on me. And finally that night I went, and I, uh, I walked in, and I thought the doors were going to fall apart. I thought everybody was going to know my sin and my awfulness. But instead, um, God... I found God's goodness, and I found a bunch of people trying to just not be perfect, but be perfected. And uh, I sang those songs, and they were in their choir robes, and they were singing, You ask me how I know. Before you know it, I was one of them. He lives. You know, I was right there with them. I'm like, you know, within my heart, you know. <laughs> the Lord changed me, man. And, uh, but you know, some people say they had orange carpet, all those things. None of those things matter. When it's time for Jesus, it don't matter what the environment is. And uh, so that's kind of that's my salvation story. And then I just started doing what the Bible says, tell people. You know that song where we just sang, you thought I was worth saving, so you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping, so you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. So you sacrificed your life so I could be free and I could be whole. And I would tell everyone I know. And so I had done so much to be ashamed of, you're going to be mad at me for being good? I ain't never, never been shamed for being good. So I was like, good, shame me for being good. But uh, that's part of my story that leads up to, I wanted Glenn to share his, and then we're going to share how those lives intersect. Praise God. Well, I was born in Miami, Florida. Um, my beginning is still kind of uh, unknown. A lot of you guys that were, I'm sitting here talking to, most of the audiences I talk to around the world, everybody has an origin story. They know where they come from. They know their family history. They know, you know, their mom, their dad, and all those things. I don't. Um, I have discovered a little bit of information just through all my efforts over the years, but basically the story goes like this. Uh, my mother was a 14-year-old uh, drug user and alcoholic. Uh, she decided to uh, keep me uh, for the nine months uh, that I was taking up rent in her womb. And um, then in the hospital, when she had me, she literally just walked out of the hospital and left me there. And so I was there in the hospital for some days until a uh, Catholic agency came and sent some nuns to come and take me from the orphanage. And so then I was in a, a Catholic charities program and through the state of Florida. Um, I lived uh, in, in, a, in the foster system and, and was in a lot of different homes. I've, I, you guys, some of you have heard my story before, but I've had my name changed literally five different times. I don't know my original birth date. I don't know my original birth name. Um, in fact, you know, one of the coolest moments in my life was when um, the Holy Spirit showed me as I was looking at my son. Uh, he was you know, maybe three months or four months old, and I just started tearing up because the Holy Spirit was showing me this is the first blood relative you've ever seen in your life. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
Incredible. And, you know, and God has blessed me with a beautiful family, my wife Mary Beth uh, and, and Elijah and Zoe, my daughter. And, but it was at that moment I said, this, this, young, this, this baby that you've given me, this boy that you've given me, Lord, he's going to know his father and he's going to know his mother if everything I can do on, in my power to make sure that he knows who they are. And, 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 and there was something that happened to me right at that. You know, when we come into this world, we are hearing that heartbeat of our mother as we're developing. And then you don't get to hear that heartbeat. And there's something physical that happens to the body. But there's also something spiritual that happens. And there was a rejection that really took place right at the very beginning of my life. And it was, no matter what I did uh, and how, there were good people. There were so sure. many good people that, that, that tried to love me. Uh, there were some bad people that did love me too. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but the truth is that I came to a place where that rejection was so painful that I began to reject people that were trying to love me because it hurt too much because every time that you would love somebody, then you would have to be going somewhere else. And they, it just seemed like you didn't, yeah. nobody wanted you. Yeah. Rejection, again. And, yeah. And I felt like I was a mistake. Mm -hmm. I was an accident that happened, you know. And so, uh, you know, and I grew in my life. And so then I, what I was, I was, I, I developed this survival uh, mentality. I'm yeah. going to survive and try to fit in because it made the situation the best that it could. And I escaped. I escaped a lot of times through the library. I had actually an incredible reading level. I was tested in the third grade, and I had an 11th grade reading level in the third grade. And so I just kept going to the library. That's good and bad. What happened to me is that I got into the adult section really early in my mm. life and I got mm. exposed to a lot of bad stuff man I I, I was reading um, you know stuff I shouldn't have been reading my mind wasn't mature enough to handle but that you know uh, it's a blessing and a curse right sure. so but you know through my life I keep trying to identify with the people that I'm with and where I'm around and again I grew up in the um, inner city or the in the I say the hood that's past the hood right uh, in uh, in Miami Florida she got it over there all right um, but in Miami, Florida, and so um, I was literally the only white kid in my neighborhood, you know, one of the only white kids in my neighborhood, and so I, I experienced life like that. It's just, you don't know no different. That's just your life, right? And uh, looking back, you always see things differently, but I remember uh, at age 13 selling drugs yeah. in the school, you know, uh, and being, you know, kind of running drugs and, and selling pills and selling different things, uh, and that's how I kind of got started in the drug culture. You know, I thought it was cool, and... and um, um, it wasn't, yeah. it really wasn't, but, uh, there was lots of periods in my life where, uh, I didn't have a place to live. And, uh, uh at 15, I was homeless. Yeah. I, 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 I remember, uh, breaking into a shed a couple different times, uh, to sleep for the night because I was so cold and, uh, smelling like gasoline and going to the school. And I was, a, I was on the track team. I was a wrestler. I was on the football team. Um, and nobody knew that this was going on in my life. I kind of tried to keep it all together because, you know, we're, we're real good at putting up a face, right? We're yeah. real good at, um, but Jesus has a way of seeing past all that. That's right. That's and so, right. you know, I had a really rough, you know, upbringing. Um, but thankfully, uh, there were people like uh, over my life that took me in and, and really loved me and, and tried to tried to help me. So I, I survived for a long time in my life, yeah. you know. And then uh, I think Walmart happened yeah. for me because, uh, well, I really, I shouldn't have gotten a job there because <laughs> I couldn't have passed the drug test. But I <laughs> don't tell them how because we don't need this ain't no how to this ain't no how to show this ain't no how to pass a drug test. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh-uh. 
<laughs> Listen, I'm not going to be releasing the instructional Thank video. Thank you, Jesus. And he won't be selling it out of his trunk either, no. so don't even be trying to get him. Wizardator 5000 is not going to be, I'm not going to talk about it, so... <laughs> anyway, needless to say, I got in where I didn't, you know, shouldn't yeah. have gotten in um, because, you as know, usual, as like your whole life, you I'll, found a way to I always find a way to get yep. somewhere, right? Yeah. So, but I got into Walmart, and uh, you know, I I had a lot of lot of um, a lot of things going on in my life. I was a DJ. I was I had a rap core band. We were playing in Tampa and Orlando, and we were getting you know well known. There's lots of things that were going on, and I was do, I had a nightlife and a drug scene and selling drugs, and then I, but I was working this you know yeah. nine to five, not really nine to five, but like a blue collar yeah. job, yeah. you know. Well, I, when I first saw him, I, I thought, what a fool, you know what I mean? <laughs> he came out. He had on this crazy hat and he's all L O S uh, which tell him what that means well it meant level of service our department of, we, yeah. we 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 broke the record for all the the distribution so i you know i'm and he's up a there. hype man as you all know since this whole revival Harbordale, you know <laughs> so he's out there hitting L O S i'm like you better try L O S T lost <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> you know i was <laughs> But I was, yeah, it was, you, we, our whole, uh, the whole warehouse came yeah. together and we were out there and of course. Every, every, every meeting we started there with this hype meeting yeah. and somehow he made it to the hype, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I remember the first time I saw him, uh, it was actually incredible uh, for me because I was not high at that moment, so. That's uh, <laughs> pretty shocking. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Uh, but what he, they actually uh, asked him to come forward in that in, in this meeting. He was the safety committee chairman. But when he was talking, yeah, safety committee. <laughs> so the most unsafest guy in the warehouse and the safety committee guy, right? Had like a badge and everything. Yeah. Were you a crossing guard? Did you have an orange belt? Like I'm, wondering how, <laughs> I'm wondering how he got on the safety committee because the first time I met him, you know, after seeing the LOS, was he's riding on this PE. He jumps off the power equipment. He jumps off the power equipment. He's got a crushed velvet hat, work boots, cut off uh, overalls, no shirt, <laughs> inviting me to a party. He's like, hey, man, I got a party at my house, man. It's going to be strippers in a wet T-shirt contest. I had the Lord's gym shirt on. I'm like, bro, I'm a Christian. He's like, you can still come. I'm like, no, I can't. No, I can't. I can still come to his party. I'm like, uh-uh. And then, then I look across the room, and here's Captain Safety. I'm like, are you kidding me? How'd this happen? You know? I think we're telling a little too much right here, all right? <laughs> <laughs> can we edit this video, please? <laughs> No, that is absolutely a true story. I had a flyer for the party and everything. I was throwing. I thought, why not? He could come here. You know, I liked the way he talked. I didn't know what. It, I, but you yeah. know what? When I found out he was a Christian, but it was just the way. You know, there's something supernatural about believers. That's right. That's they right. have a joy of the Lord that comes out of them when they talk. There's something supernatural about, and, and he wasn't talking about Jesus. He was talking about safety, and yep. he was just tell, with the care and the love and the concern for the people. And I don't know. I just kind of found I found myself mesmerized by by the way he was. And the one thing I can tell you about, and you guys already know this, is that this guy right here, he's honest and he's truthful. And even if it hurts, he's going to tell you. Y'all know that. 
and, and I didn't have people like that in my life. I didn't have people that were honest with me. I, you know, if somebody was telling me something, they, they may have been right about it, but they were coming from a place of jealousy or hate, so I couldn't receive it from them. But this guy, he would tell me well, everything that was wrong with me, and I'd be like, I can't wait to see him again. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I turn around, I'm bumping into him. I'm like, God, why do you keep putting this dude in my life? Actually, I was like, this nitwit in my life. How do you keep putting him here? So then finally, I see, I, I'm old school, so y'all talk about tapes. Well, I had some tapes too, but I had my testimony on tape. And I had a box of tapes that I would give my testimony out. So finally, I'm like, I'm just going to give him my testimony. Damnation to salvation, death to life. So I said, you need to, you keep talking to me so much, listen to this, you know. <laughs> well, the crazy thing is like in the, in the you know, how they make their, you know, you got a tape jacket the or, you know, like the Memorex tape. He's got this like really bad photocopy of him. I can't even tell. It's just like this blob on one side and it's him true. like this on the other. Uh-huh. From uh, damnation to salvation. Uh-huh. So I put on the thing, and I'm listening to this guy. He's like, I'm going to tell you, you got to move. you got to move. And then in the background, I'm hearing cats in the background. I can't help it. Listen, even cats were getting saved up in there. You know what I'm saying? We were winning some people to Jesus. and some cat, the refrigerator getting saved. Everything the thing, was getting saved. The thing scared me. I thought he was choking cats out in the thing. <laughs> Like my favorite kid. part of that taste when you get to the, the side B, I say, you got to turn it over because there's more. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got to the end and said, turn it over. There's more. I didn't know if I wanted any more at that point. But no, I did listen to it yeah. at least once, twice, three yeah. times, maybe. But yeah. more than anything, it was just the interaction that we had yeah. between each other. And we look, we didn't we, we didn't work in the same department. No. We worked in totally. I was a receiving end where the ship, the, the, the shipments came in and. He was all the way in the shipping end. I was shipping, shipping dog is yeah. what I was, and you're receiving over there. But for two years, we had these interactions, and over the course of that time, you know, I'm learning more about him, and the thing that really shocked me and, and really knocked my socks off is I found out that his foster dad was a, a preacher, an African-American preacher. And then I got mad because I'm like, hold on. You got the gospel, and you're bothering me? Your daddy's a preacher and you're bothering me? Uh, and then I told him, I said, you're leading a generation straight to hell and you have the power to lead a generation to life, but you choose to lead them to hell. And uh, we got a little upset about that, you know. And then, this is my favorite part. I didn't, we, we were talking about this earlier this week. So then he starts to kind of get up under my skin. I'm sharing uh, the, my uh, Wait, faith. hold on. I do that? Yeah, you did, yeah. And even today you still do, so... <laughs> Anything to keep you humble, Pastor. You know it. You know it. You know it. That's why he's here. But, uh, but so I'm witnessing to Jerome, one of our mutual friends. I'm witnessing to, to Jerome, and Jerome's really feeling. And Glenn knows what I'm doing, so then he decides to run block on Jesus. So he comes pulling up. He blocks me from, because he don't want Jerome to get saved, because Jerome's his smoking buddy. You know what I'm saying? True so he story. comes over. And he blocks me, and then I let, I'm fuming, I let Jerome leave, and y'all don't, you know I don't get mad, right? So, yeah, anybody at the revival knows what's up. So, so I, uh, I say to him, I say, that's cool. No, it's all right, don't, don't come around me anymore. And he's like, what? I said, no, you knew exactly what, no, I said, yes, you did. I said, you know what I'm doing right now? I'm turning you over to Satan. That's what I'm doing. I said, I said Satan wants to sift you as we, I'm turning you over to the devil. I was like, can you do that? I said, <laughs> hold on, wait a minute. Don't, 
I don't think you can do that. I don't, I don't remember hearing you. You can do that kind of stuff now. You, you're, you're a Christian now. Yeah. I, t I told him there's two, two times in the Bible you can see it when Jesus told Peter, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. And there's another time when they said, hand him over to Satan so that he might be dealt with. He could have told me it was five times. I would have believed him. You know? <laughs> but true story, bro, my, my life, when he did that, my life went went down it was going down the drain like crazy incredibly fast and Tell i mean about that truck problem well okay so you know this was going on and then so he had turned me over to the devil so i couldn't go over there and mess with him no more so Lu lucifer and his friends was all on me and stuff and then but god let me tell you something man i was scared i was real scared because like the guy the only guy that was giving me jesus you know i had he i had he cut he cut me off you know um but I, I went, like, literally, it was like, I think, like, right after that conversation that he turned me over to the devil, there was a, tr there was a truck driver from Alabama where I live now, which I had never been to. How many knows I didn't want to go to Alabama? Uh -huh. But Alabama had to come to me. So this truck driver from Alabama comes, and, 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 and it's like right after the conversation I had with him, and I've got to unload this truck of toilet paper charm, and don't squeeze it, right? And so... <laughs> I'm out there, and I'm trying to do it in this time because that's your time. Otherwise, you get in trouble. So as I'm doing it, this truck driver, all of a sudden, in the halfway point of the, of the trailer where we're busting it out, and he's like, son, do you know God? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I said, uh, do you know Mike Conaway? <laughs> <laughs> Did he send you down here to talk to me? I didn't. It's the truth. I did not know. You know. He said, I, I don't know who devil. I don't know who Mike Conaway is, but I'm gonna tell you. I'm, I I know God, and God is talking to me, and He's telling me to tell you some things. And literally, this is what He told me. I, I'll just save a yeah. few of them, but I'm gonna tell you one of the one major things that got me was that He said that God is tired of you running from Him. Mm. And he said mm. that you have been running from him for a long time. And he said that God is going to, he said God is taking his hands off of you of protection. Ooh. And he's going to allow you to be injured in a way that's going to cause you to sit down and think about everything that's going on in your life. Mm. Mm. And you're not going to get any rest. You'll have no peace until you give your life to God. I was scared. I called him on the phone because I know he wouldn't see me face to face, but he wouldn't. He, he's like, well, okay, I'll pray for you, but that's it. And then he literally prayed for me, but do you know what? <laughs> I'm like, amen, click. That that's was it, the truth. You know? <laughs> he probably thought I was making up a story so I could be friends with him again. Click. You but, and the devil talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but what happened was, see, I was training uh, for, I was, there, was a, there used to be a league that led to the Euro, Europe NFL League uh, in Orlando, and I was training for that. And during that time of training, I was uh, injured. I literally ripped every ligament and shredded up my ankle so bad. They told me it would have been better if I broke my leg than to do what I did to it. And so I was in a cast, and I wasn't going to work, and I was like, you know, literally... No money. Weeks. Yeah, weeks. weeks. Well, it was two months in yeah. the past. Yeah. And so yeah. I was out of work for all that time, plus the little bit of rehab time. But during that time, all the people that were in my life that were around me because of all the drugs and all the partying that I was doing, all that fun, they, they kind of disappeared. Mm -hmm. Kind of strange how that works, right? So I notice he's missing. And I ask one of his friends who's supposed to be together with him. And I'm like, where's G? And they're like, oh, man, he, he tore his ankle up or something like that. And I was like, has anyone even checked on him? And they're like, nah, man, he's all right. 
And so then the Lord, you know, you know, you know how when somebody's all right, that means I don't want nothing to do with them. And so, so, I, so the Lord tells me, I need you to go get some food from, the, from your church pantry, and I need you to take it. I'm like, Lord, you know that I just turned them over to the devil. I don't want to do this, you know. So I, I go and I get this, some of the stuff. I go talk to the pastor, and I say, hey, I got this friend. And a uh, very loose term at that time. And I said, I want to take him some food. I said, I don't know what his situation So I got some food, and I showed up to his door, and it was cracked. And so I was like, ooh, this is sketchy, you know. And, uh, and I've been in some sketchy spots myself. So, so I knock on the door easy and throw it, and there he is. I mean, there's bottles, there's cans, there's everything. And he's laid up on his couch. I mean, just, just hadn't eaten in I don't know how long. He's just laid up there, and I'm like, gee, what's going on? He's like, oh, hey, man. I said, man, when's the last time you ate? And then he said, man, that's been a long time. I said, well, let me cook something. So I threw this little steak on the grill on his oven, and I'm cooking. I'm cooking. And then. Well, basically, where, I, where he's cooking and where I'm sitting, I can't see him. I can just hear it sizzling in the pan. And he keeps popping his head around and looking at me, talking to me. And then finally, he says this one thing that haunted me. He said, hey, man, where are all your friends at? <laughs> sometimes you got to ask the question hey, and, you know? and, and sometimes when, when those kind of phrases come out of people of God it'll, it bounced off the walls in that place <laughs> it, it, when he left and thank you for coming by the way well, and, uh, thank Jesus because I didn't want mistake. to amen, <laughs> amen. He, he, when he left that wor- those words where are all your friends they bounced off those walls every single day, multiple times in a day. It was haunting me because I realized the people who I thought were close to me, they didn't come over to check on me. They didn't bring me any food. They didn't care about me. And here's a guy who I basically have really, you know, we, we, we've had it out. We, uh, we wanted to fight. be honest with you. I'm sorry to say that. I, had, I cussed him one time it's really true. bad true. because he was sharing the gospel. He told me, he said, he said, well, let me tell you something straight up. You don't love God. I said, you can't tell me I don't love God. How can you tell me I don't love God? I love God. He said, well, I ain't telling you, but the Bible said, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and you ain't keeping none of them. So <laughs> I know you don't love God. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's, it's that truth that was coming from a heart of honesty, and he was concerned for my soul. It was almost like he was trying to snatch me out of that pit of hell, you know, that I was in. But those words really haunted me. Amen. And, Amen. And, and what happened was just a little while after that, I really, uh, suicidal thoughts came to my mind. Mm-hmm. And I started plotting and planning my death, you know. And uh, not only that, I literally invited the devil to come inside of me. Yeah. yeah. I got so high and drunk one night, and I was mad at God. I was mad at the world. And I looked at the, the mirror, and, and, and I said, you know, God, you ain't done nothing for me. And I've given you a chance. Now I'm going to give the devil a chance. And I told the devil, I said, I'll give you my life. If you do what I want you to do, give me power in this world. And you know what? Nothing happened at that moment. But that night when I went down to sleep, I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt something go in me. I know this is kind of weird, but yeah. it did. It went in me. And it, my life at that point in time, it was really like all I could think about was killing myself. Yeah. Well, and I had continued to visit and drop groceries to his place. And then I would meet him when he finally got back to work. I met him, and I started, and I started, we met, and I, we, we would go from my trunk to his trunk. I was trying to, 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 to be Jesus in his life. Picked him up, uh, 
when I show, showed up to his house, he was in his club clothes, and, 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 uh, and he, had the, he had a cheetah skin version Bible. He had the Bible with a cheetah skin print. I'm going to take it down here to Calvary Assembly of God with me, right? And he got his club clothes and his cheetah skin version, you know. So we took him down there, and I'm praying the whole time, Lord, get him, Lord, we'll let him walk the aisle. And he didn't walk no aisle. And uh, so then, then, then I was like, okay, maybe that's not his style. So there's a church closer. So then I pick him up. This how I pick him up to take him to Brooksville Assembly. I take him there. They're having a board meeting that night or, a, a, you know, one of those meetings, a church meeting, business meeting. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so all those things go down, and I'm trying. But see, God had a different plan. God was going to change his life in a one-on-one -on -one experience. God was going to get together with Glenn in the woods. And this is exactly yeah. what happened. There was a huge party that I was throwing at my house like I always did. I was back on my feet, so to speak. But there was something I knew was missing inside of me at this point. I reached in my refrigerator. I grabbed a beer out of my refrigerator. And as I grabbed that beer, something told me, get out of here. So I turned my house over to them, you know, party animals, yeah. and I walked out. And you know, from Miami, you don't do that, right? You, you stay over your stuff, right? But I left that because that voice was so compelling. When I walked outside of my house, I began to look up in the sky, and I saw the atmosphere. I saw the moon, and I saw the stars. And something hit my mind that these didn't get here by an accident. Somebody made these. I walked a little further in those woods, and I opened up that beer. I put it on my lips, and it tasted foul. I spit it out of my mouth, and I looked at that, and I tried to throw that bottle as far away from me as I could get it. It went about 10 feet and hit the only tree that was standing there. I, I could never probably repeat that, but yeah, yes, it hit that tree. And when it bounced off that tree, I could hear it, bloop, 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 and I walked over to it and watching the last bit of that beer run out, and I thought to myself, that's my life. Mm. It's being wasted. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants it. No one's going to drive off the car, uh, get out there, walk out the woods, and take this to enjoy this thing. And when I looked at that, that bottle on that ground like that, and I saw that was my life being wasted like that, mm. I looked at the tree that it bounced off of, and the thought hit my mind. This tree didn't get here by an accident. I looked around, I saw all these other trees that had fallen down all around it. But this tree was still standing. And for the first time in my life, I realized I wasn't a mistake. Mm. I wasn't an accident. That's that right. God had kept me alive. I couldn't go no further. I yeah. couldn't go no further. Nope. I literally bowed my knees right there in front of that tree, and I said the only prayer I knew how to pray is, God, my life is a mess. If you can do anything with it, I'll give it to you right now. And something happened to me. I didn't get, off those, I, I didn't get out of those woods off my knees and off the ground for about two and a half hours. When I did, I went, got back up to my house. The party was still going on. Everybody was still doing their thing. I went right to the refrigerator, and I grabbed all the alcohol that belonged to me, and I began to pour it down the drain, and there was, hey, no, man, no wasted, but, yeah, yeah. but I, had, I had been around Al, Nick, Mary, and Coco too long. Yeah, it was time. It was Alcohol, done. nicotine, uh -huh. marijuana, uh -huh. and cocaine. Yeah. I had, I had enough of long. it. Way too they long. were gone. I had to kick them so, out. So he gives his heart to Jesus, and then he calls me at the shipping office, and I was mad at him because he went back to doing the same old stuff after I helped him, right? So then he calls, he's like, Mike, I got saved. I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> he's like, no, bro, I got saved. I said, no, you didn't. <laughs> said, you ain't getting me, bro. I know what you did. And he's like, no, I'm, what do I got to do? I said, live it. And so two weeks, he kept trying to convince me. Finally, I really start to see the fruit. Because, you know, the Bible says that a bad tree can't produce good fruit, and a good tree can't produce bad fruit. So I started seeing that in his life. 
and that life transformation was so amazing. And then we just started together. We, God brought us together, and we just started sharing the good news. We started writing scripture verses on our hand. We started having word for the day. We started just seeing God do amazing things. And we realized that God had, together with Jesus, brought my life to his life. And then God brought us together. And then God brought him to Jesus. Now they were together, and then God brought us together. And that was 25 years ago. 25 years ago. I'm going to have the band. You guys make your way up while I'm talking. The thing that we've learned, though, is you've got to move forward. And, and you're not going to be perfect, but you're being perfected. And we, we began to walk this journey together through life the last 25 years. His children call me and, and Lorena Uncle Mike and Auntie Lolo because we are blood. You see, he has a blood relative, the blood of Jesus. His little girl, his little girl one time, she said to him, she said, she, she's, she's like, yeah, but he's not your real brother. And, he's, and, she's, and he said, yes, he is. Because, and that's we're family because of what Jesus did in our life. Two dock workers. Two dock, I wasn't Pastor Mike. I was just a dock worker at Walmart who had his life radically changed by a savior who saw a drug dealer, a drug addict, and saw that he could change the world. And I just was crazy enough to talk to a crazy guy like this and, and, and invite him into the kingdom. And every day we've just been stepping forward. We got in a second chance and we weren't going to waste our second chance. And so we've watched as God has done ministry through us together. It's international. India, you name the places God has done. If you would have told us 25 years ago at our very first meeting that we'd be sitting here with tens of thousands of people who've come into the kingdom, traveled the world, seen God do amazing things, we would have said, you're crazy. We would have said, you're crazy. But God. But God. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. It starts when you get together with Jesus. And, and today, you have a chance to get together with Jesus. And then you have a chance to go further. Because right outside those doors is the wedding ring. It's baptism. It says, I'm together with God. Devil, you can't have me. World, you can't have me. Nobody can have me. I belong to Jesus and Jesus alone. Nobody else. Nobody else. And that's today we want to give you that opportunity. There's already people going to walk in there. But until you get together with God, until you get together with God, you ain't going to see the change that you're looking for. You saw what happened. The witness was there. The testimony was there. But somebody had to do something. So somebody had to. And, and you know what, what we have today, uh, Brother Glenn, you know what we happen to have here? We just so happen to have here. There's some people in the crowd that might, it might be their day to get baptized. You know, what the, you know what the shirt that I have for them? Because they say, oh, I got my church shirt on. Well, I got a shirt for them that says, y'all need Jesus. <laughs> so if, you, if you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus today, I'm going to tell you like the Ethiopian eunuch, like Philip said. He said, there's water. Why are we waiting? So you get a chance to come in the right relationship with Jesus. But this, this moment's too big. It's too big. And I think what we need to do is we just need to take a moment. And we need to listen to this because this is what a moment he brought me to. I know we're a little overboard. It's okay. We're going to, we're going to, it's okay. We're going to, we're going to sing this song. 
And as we're singing it, I want you to think about your life with Jesus. I want to think about, I want you to think about if you're ready to come into right relationship with Jesus. My prayer team, make your way to the front right now. My prayer team, as you make your way to the front, there's going to be some people today. They're going to come up to you, and they're just simply going to say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And all you got to do is lead them to Jesus. Nothing else. We'll call for you in a moment. But right now, I, I don't want you to rush. I just want you to sit in those moments and just listen to the first part. And I want you to think about, is your life moving backward or is your life moving forward? Let's worship.